Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you we have a truth to be set before us this morning that is worth your consideration and meditation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We live in a day of great trials and troubles and temptations. Temptations readily available all around us. And trials, people are often um, tempted toward discouragement and frustrations. It's an unusual day that we live in. And I want to point us to a God who is a mighty fortress. A mighty fortress. You're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me read to you Psalm 71 verse 3. The Bible says, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Is God your strong habitation? Have you been continually resorting in Him? The Bible says, Thou hast given commandment to save me, for Thou art my rock and my fortress. The passage we're going to today shows God to be our fortress. I remind you of that hymn, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And in times of trouble, trial, and temptation, our God is a mighty fortress. First Corinthians chapter 10, let's begin in verse number 1, and we're going to go through this passage through verse 13 uh, just fairly quickly. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, talking to believers, to Christians in the church of Corinth, I would not that ye should be ignorant. He says there's some, something you need to know, that you need to keep in remembrance, that you should never forget. How that all our fathers were under the cloud. Now, in the next few verses, you're going to see a word repeated, and I hope you'll pick it out and think about the repetition of that word. How that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Now, what meat would that have been? Manna, right? That was manna. And did all drink the same spiritual drink that was water out of the rock in the wilderness. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. It is saying that Jesus Christ provided for the people of God as they went through the wilderness. Verse 5, but with many of them. The children of Israel, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. What you've just read is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Of course, the word that's mentioned over and over is what word? It's the word all. How many of the children of Israel were led by God by a cloud through the wilderness? Well, all of them were. How many of them were protected as they went through the Red Sea? All of them. Why? Because God was faithful to all of them. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. How many of them did God give manna for and provide food for all the way through the wilderness? All of them. All the way through. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? Wouldn't you agree water is pretty important in the desert? How many did God provide water for? All of them. Why? Because God is faithful. And the Bible says that in spite of all of their great privileges they had, 
Oh, they had experiences. They could tell you about manna. They could tell you about quail. They could tell you about all kinds of how their, their shoes didn't wear out, their garments did not get old, and how God took care of them. And yet the Bible says God was not well pleased with them, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And verse 6, now these things, everything you've just read, were our examples to the intent, for what purpose? That we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Verses 7-10 through 10 give four areas of failure. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. Verse 8 says, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them. Verse number 9, um, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye as some of them. And the Bible says, verse 11, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition. The passage you're going to read now, and you're reading, is written down on purpose by God to help us, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And that's why the next word says, wherefore. Here's the point. Verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Let's pray and ask God for his help now this morning. Father, I thank you for the word of God and how you have given us in the word of God the answer to temptations and trials. And that answer is found in knowing you, the faithful God. I pray that you would guide us now this morning in your word. Help us to grow in closer to you that we might bear up under temptations and walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 12. You, will you read with me again verse 12? All together now. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Number one, I'd like us to all see, we are not as strong as we imagine. We're just not as strong as we imagine. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It's so easy to develop a Christian cockiness that we're able to take it, that we think we stand. We're growing. We've come a long way, and so we think we're good. The Bible says, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. By way of illustrating this, let's keep it to the text. Verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you. That's grabbed a hold of you. Got you. But such as is common to man. Common to man. I would ask you, in the passage you've just read, you've just read about Israel, how God gave them all direction by the cloud, protection through the sea, provision, water, and drink, and food in the wilderness. But was God pleased with them? Verse 5, and the answer is no. And he's saying that the same temptations you face are common to man. So, in verse 6, it says, Now these things were our examples 
He goes on and talks about how they lusted, they were idolaters, they were fornicators, they tempted Christ, and they murmured. And he says, all these things are written for our admonition. Take heed. If you think you're, you're, you're strong, you better take heed, lest you fall. Now, when it says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The sins that are in this passage listed, would you say Israel did well, or did they fall? Well, they fell, didn't they? So, is it encouraging that the temptations that have taken us are common to Israel? Were common to Israel? No, because they did not do well with those temptations. Well, I want to point out, we're not as strong as we imagine. We're not as strong as we think. You know, the book of 1 Corinthians is very interesting. Because the Corinthians were like a little boy. A little boy who's very proud, very cocky, very arrogant. And he uh, he's always getting in fights and always in trouble. And uh, the Corinthians were like a little fella who's very prideful. And the Bible says that um, only by pride cometh contention. So the Bible tells us that the Corinthians were contentious. In fact, it says in chapter 3 about them that they were carnal, envying, strife, and divisions. They're yet carnal. The Bible talks about how the Corinthians were puffed up. Like a little boy who's, who's always talking about how big he is and how strong he is and he can beat everybody else up. Uh, I've got a little boy in our family, our littlest boy, who was telling us about how he could run away from a bear and a lion. And he would climb a tree, and if a bear climbed after him, he would take his fist and hit that bear in the paw, and it would go tumbling down and hit its head on the ground. Well, he doesn't know how strong a bear is. He doesn't know how strong a lion is. And he doesn't know how strong the tempter, the lion, the devil is. Well, the people of Corinth were puffed up also. And the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 6, that Paul said that he wanted them to learn not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. And again in chapter 4, verse 18, now some of you are puffed up, as though I would not come to you. And Paul's not happy with him. He's saying, but he's going to come. He says, shall I come unto you with a rod or in love? Paul's getting down to business. In chapter 5, he talks about how they should have disciplined someone in the church and put them out because they're a believer, and yet they're involved in incest and immorality. And he says, you're puffed up. Chapter 5, verse 2. You're puffed up and have not rather mourned. He says, you're proud of your tolerance. You're, how you've tolerated and had a great show of affection and tolerance for this person, but you've not dealt with the sin. And that's why verse 6 says, your glorying is not good. In chapters, you'll remember this, 12 to 14, it's all about the giftings. And he, he interrupts this chapter 12 to 14 with chapter 13, where he tells them, that without charity, without love, it doesn't matter how gifted they are. Because if you're a gifted person and you're selfish, self-oriented, puffed up and proud, you're not using the gift for others, but just to shine a light on your own gifted muscles, well, then it's for nothing. The gift accomplishes nothing for God. 
So they're just like a little boy who every time he passes the mirror has to stop and flex and show off his muscles a little bit. And um, I, I think of how one of my boys passed the bathroom and he looked in and saw a brother who was combing his hair. And he looked at that brother and said, uh, kind of watching to see the brother just um, fixing his hair in the mirror and taking a few minutes to comb his hair and get it all straight and get it just right. And the littlest brother looked at the other one and said, you know, Mama didn't make, well, Mama made Jubilee, my sister, a lot prettier than she made you. Well, probably not the nicest thing to say, but um, we we all have mirrors, and sometimes we we look at them, and that's okay. But the Corinthians were puffed up; they're proud. They're looking in the mirror. They're they're not edifying one another with their gifts. And so Paul says, let him that thinketh he standeth, you think you're strong, take heed lest he fall, lest ye fall. Now, the Corinthians had great privileges, just like every believer in Christ has been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We have been given so much, an inheritance that's to come. We've been given Jesus Christ as our Savior, a relationship with God. But we still face temptations while we're in this world. And Paul's warning them, because the specific area the church of Corinth was wrestling with Paul with at this time, was they wanted to go back into the pagan temples and to be a part of the the feasts in the pagan temples, and to eat all these things, but it was a place of idolatry. And they wanted to have the Christian liberty to do this. They're much like believers today, who believe that they can, they can have, uh, they want to be back in the world, and they believe it won't affect their faith. Maybe they can have Hollywood movies filling their house and filling their mind, and it won't affect their walk with God. It's not true. It will drag you down. And the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he tells them in this passage, in fact, in chapter 9, the end of chapter 9, he tells them, that you're Christians, but the way you're running, you're not going to receive the prize. And he says, so run that ye may obtain and be spiritually disciplined. He talks about the runner who runs to obtain an incorruptible prize and tells them to, to fight, not as one who beats the air, not for play, but to be disciplined and keep their body under subjection. What's he saying? He's telling the Corinthians that the Christian life is not about using your liberty to go back and do all these things in the world, but it's keeping yourself under subjection and understanding that if let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Be on guard. We're not as strong as we imagine. There was a city in Asia Minor called Sardis. And Sardis was under attack by Cyrus and the Persians. It had a citadel in Sardis that was enormous, built on a, a rocky hillside. It was, it was practically impregnable. And Cyrus offered a reward to any one of his men 
who could find a way into that rocky citadel. And it just so happened that one of Cyrus's men was watching, and one of the men on the top of the walls of the citadel lost his helmet, and it fell down, down, down. And he watched as the man carefully climbed down and picked his way very carefully all the way down to retrieve his helmet. And he, he, the, the soldier under Cyrus kind of marked that pathway with his eye. And that night, he led a thin line of Persians as they climbed that hidden pathway all the way up the cliffy, the, the, the stony cliff, and they found that the way was totally unguarded at night because the people of Sardis considered their citadel impregnable. And if we think that we are strong, a citadel, let me tell you, we must take heed lest we fall. Like, like the hymn writer wrote, did, did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. But not only are we not as strong as we imagine, I'm telling you, number two, God is more faithful than we imagine. Now, I would like you to see verse number 13 of 1 Corinthians 10. We're not as strong as we imagine, but God is more faithful than we imagine. Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you. That's the word for to grab hold of got you. It's... It's someone who's been grabbed and can't get away. There's been no temptation that's taken you, but such as is common to man. That's, that's not real good news. We may think it is. Well, we're all in this together, but none of us are strong in our own strength. Now, in one way, it's encouraging, because if you'll look around, no matter what trial you're going through, you'll find footprints. Some of God's best servants have passed that way before, and have been down the same dark pathways, were never tried in an unusual way. The best of God's servants are all tempted. Even Jesus, in all points, was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, we may think we're more tried than others, but it's only because we don't know the trials others are going through. We just imagine our trials to be unique. But there's many others who are in the same fiery furnace, Many others who are waiting on God, just like you are, waiting for His direction, waiting for Him to, sh to show them the way, just like you are. There are many others in just as hot a spot, just as hard a place, because our trials, our temptations, are common to man. In fact, we're in the same war. Your duty may call you to one part of the battle, mine to another, but there's no quiet spot. And every season of life has its dangers and temptations and trials. The, the good news is that God is faithful. God is faithful. The Bible says in Psalm 36, verse 5, Thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. And in Lamentations 3, that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. This passage talking about temptation, says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's not really good news, because the people in the passage fell. But the next word says, But. The good news is, God is faithful. And it lists a couple different ways. You know, this passage, 
it specifically says that God is faithful to limit each trial, each temptation that we face. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Trials may rise, but there's a high watermark. And the Bible says that will not will not suffer us to be tempted above that watermark. Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed, said Job in Job thirty eight eleven. And you know this is this is God sets the barriers so that Satan cannot go beyond them. This passage is an encouragement because God is faithful to limit and set limits on our trials and temptations. It's interesting that word temptation, there hath no temptation taken you. It's the same Greek word that's translated temptation as is also translated trial. And it's a very interesting word, perasmas. And it's two-sided. Because the same troubles that enter our life that God used to test us and try us and prove us, well, the same things from Satan's perspective. He wants to see us destroyed, overturned, tempted, and ruined. And so this word really depends upon the perspective. And in this passage, it says there's not one temptation entered our life except the faithful God. He puts a limit to it. Will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able now, also, God is faithful to always provide a way to escape. Now, if you look at the verse, it's a little curious, because it says something that sounds contradictory. The verse says, it says that will God will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape. Now, that sounds like you're able to get out of it. But then it says that you may be able to bear it. Well, which is it? Is it a way to escape it? Or is it a way to stay under and bear the temptation? But both are in the verse. And you know God's way of escape from trial is not for us to avoid all trials. Wouldn't it be great if when you're on the battlefield of life, God sent in special forces? You called out for help and God sent in the helicopters. And the black helicopters came flying across like our soldiers who were in the crossfire in a, in a rice paddy in Vietnam. And they're trying to get out. And the helicopters came hovering over, and the, the ropes dropped, and they pulled the men right out of there and brought them to safety. Wouldn't it be great if God sent in his, his holy helicopters to whisk us out of every trial and temptation? But the Bible says God makes a way to escape that she may be able to bear it. God's way of escape from trial is not for us to avoid all trials, but to lead us through the trouble and out the other side, not as an escape from the Red Sea, but through the Red Sea. Now, if you'll, wouldn't you admit it, that's a strange way to escape? I would rather God get me out of here. And yet, the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And God is more faithful than we imagine. He always limits our trials and temptations and provides the way to escape and gives grace sufficient. Second Corinthians 12.9 My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God is faithful, a very present help in trouble. You know, if we believe not yet... 
he abideth faithful. What do I do when temptation comes? Go to God. Make him our continual resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, said the psalmist, for thou art my rock and my fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. But how do I put that into practice, Pastor? By turning to him and saying, Father, I'm claiming the word of God because you're faithful. You said you would not suffer me to be tempted above that I'm able. Oh God, I'm looking to you. I need you. I need your help. I need your grace right now. Would you show me the way to escape that I might be able to bear it? You know, God is able to bear us up. To bear us up on eagles' wings. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men will utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And God gives strength to the faint. And I want to encourage you this morning. Where are you in life? Are you facing trials? Are you facing troubles and temptation? You have a mighty God, a mighty fortress, who is your God. And he is able not only to deliver you out of temptation, but to make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, what I cannot understand in all of this is what do people do who have not God as their Savior to trust in? You know, friend... May may God show you that you cannot live without Him. You cannot do without Him. Oh, that you might decide, I don't want to do without the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want Him as my sin-bearer. I want Him as my Savior who took my sins upon Himself, who died for my sins, and also for my burden-bearer from day to day. Well, you can have Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you'll receive Him, He'll receive you as a sinner and take your sins away, wash you clean, and bring you into the family of God. You say, how do I do that? Well, you put your trust in Jesus Christ, that He came to earth and died in your place for your sin on the cross. And if you'll receive Jesus Christ, believing you have no way to God, no way to heaven, except through Jesus Christ, and call upon him and say, Oh God, save me from my sin. I'm trusting just in Jesus that he died for me personally. Please save me now. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You can be saved today, because Christ not only died for your sin, but he wants you to know him today. If you are saved, I want to ask you, temptation, trials, are you strong? We're not as strong as we imagine. If we think that we're strong, the Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Are you like a little boy who is strong in himself and says, I can do it. I can go it alone. I'm strong. Well, the Corinthians were puffed up. They were they were seeing themselves as able to live in the world and still have it not affect their faith. And Paul warns them, and he, he challenges them to remember that God is the one who's faithful, more faithful than you can imagine. And I ask you this morning, whatever you're going through, the trials, the troubles, the temptations... 
Are you turning to the faithful God? He is able to bear your burdens. Won't you cast your care upon him? He cares for you today. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that we have a faithful God in you. And I pray for those even now who are listening that have been facing temptations. And maybe in their heart they know that they've already fallen. Thank you that the same God who's faithful deliver to deliver us if we've already fallen. You said if we'll confess our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray for the one listening who's maybe saying... I've, I've been tempted and I've already fallen and oh God's convicted me today. Father in heaven, would they find you to be the faithful God who forgives. For those, Lord, who are, who are walking with you as best they know how, may they take comfort in the faithful God who, who never allows us to suffer, to be tempted above that we're able, but with every temptation makes a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. Thank you for being the mighty fortress we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.